Did you know there are five main varieties of cultured pearls? Akoya, Freshwater, South Sea, Tahitian, and the Sea of Cortez. Each pearl type has their own unique color and story on how they made it to the market. Virtually all the pearls you see and purchase today are cultured pearls. Made with the contributions from numerous of scientists and innovators from different countries throughout the years, each leaving their own mark. Some big, some small, but a mark that have paved the way to the growth of the culture pearl industry that we know today. Without them, pearls would be so expensive, it would only be worn by the super wealthy. Hello, and thank you for joining. This is Pearl Weekly, the podcast that brings together the history, the science, and fashion icons behind your favorite pearls. I'm your host, Caitlin Foster. This series of episodes is about the scientists who brought forth the culture pearl industry changing it from diving for wild mullets to be used for buttons and stumbling across the pearl, to today a thriving industry that has taken out the guesswork and replacing it with science, producing pearls that have a vast range of colors, shape, size, and price to fit anyone's style. These episodes will discuss the people who have contributed to the culture pearl industry. That is why today's show is called The Innovators of Cultured Pearls. Around 1761, a Swedish scientist named Carl Linnaeus, best known as the father of taxonomy, believed people could make pearls. If an object was placed between the mantle tissue and the shell, this would form a free-forming pearl inside of a muscle. If his experiment would work, he would be able to establish a Swedish freshwater pearl farm. In Linnaeus' experiment, he drilled a hole in a freshwater mussel shell, then insert a small piece of limestone. The mussels were then placed back into the riverbed for six years. After six years, Linus collected all the mussels from the riverbed. His experiment did produce pearls in freshwater mussels. Some even came out with a creamy white yellow shade, semi-round baroque, and a few blister pearls. Carl Linus later on would go on and sell the pearls along with the patent to a Swedish businessman. Today, there are still no Swedish pearl farm, and since the 1990s, due to the decrease in the population of mussels, pearl fishing has completely stopped. We'll take a short break, and when we get back, Salvia Kent, changing the consistency of shaping a pearl. Since the 1700s, mother of pearl buttons were a must-have fashion item. Placed on shirts, coats, and any outerwear, a consumer wanted to make a fashion statement. For years, the high demand for pearl buttons and natural pearls caused the pearl beds in Australia to be overfished, causing a huge decline in the oyster beds. In the 20th century, Savion Kent was a British marine biologist for the British government, working as an inspector on the Torres Strait Island. Kent was there to help understand the coral reef and fix the oyster beds that were being depleted from the unregulated fishing practices. After spending years studying the Great Barrier Reef, Salvion Kent will later publish the book called The Great Barrier Reef. It showcased his groundbreaking work, including 48 lithographic images, even some in color, showcasing fish and anemones along with other sea life that surrounds the reef. Before this, no one was able to capture the vibrant life that surrounds the reef. In the book, 
can't even distinguish the difference between a silver and gold lip palatonomic maximus, commonly known as the white or gold lip oyster. Among the images was a perfectly spherical pearl that Kent cultivated. Savion Kent was able to make this pearl by transferring mother of pearl shells from Thursday Island to Swall Lagoon. It would take Kent almost 20 years to consistently produce a marvel-shaped cultured pearl. Savion Kent was successfully farming cultured blister pearls. But by the 1900s, the Northern Australian pearl oysters were overfished which forced the decline of pearl fishing and completely disrupting Australian pearl fishing markets. Today, Australian pearlers have gradually developed new technology to make culture pearl farming sustainable. With the help of Australian government and placing regulations on the number of wild oysters that can be gathered each year has helped increase the number of oyster beds. Remember, no matter how you wear your pearls, they're the last thing to be put on and they're the first thing you take off. Thank you, friends. This is Pearl Weekly. For more information, visit us at pearlweeklypod.com or follow us on Instagram at Pearl Weekly. Show us how you wear your pearls by hashtagging Pearl Weekly Pod. We will be back with new episodes next week. Leave a review wherever you listen to Pearl Weekly. Pearl Weekly.